This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. We are definitely not on take number seven trying to start this (laughs) podcast. So uh, this is the first time I have talked to you all day. How's it going? It's going great. How are you? I mean, my computer just happened to be a little bitch, so... It's a really expensive computer to be acting that way. Like, I honestly think it has to do with me. Like, I like to say that I'm good at technology, but the truth is I'm good at messing things up. So then figuring out what I did wrong. I think it's called engineering. I- as my old IT guy would would say, the problem exists between the keyboard and the chair. 100%. <laughs> Anyways. So, how's life? Anything interesting? Good. I met up with some friends that I went to high school with last night. Ew. We hadn't seen each other. No way. These people are awesome. Was... So we hadn't seen each other in a really long time. Um, so like one of my friends, the last time I saw her was when she did like a cast of my pregnant belly when I had my son who turns 15 in a week. Um, I have a million questions, but I don't think I want any answers. So. Oh, it was awesome. It's really cool. I still have it somewhere. Okay. It was a thing back then. You know, like gotcha. maternity photos are a thing now. That was a thing then. Gotcha. Uh, um, if so, yeah, we went out. We don't drink Boone's Farm anymore. We don't lie wow. to our parents about where we are. <laughs> I still lie to my parents. They think I'm always at oh. Bible study. It was really fun. We had a good time. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, do you do anything exciting it's- for Fourth of July? No, I had to work on July 5th, so no. That's lame. That is super lame. I drove back from Dallas on the 4th of July. That's all I can say about that. (laughs) It really sucked. Um, Yeah, so I had to work, so I didn't do anything. I saw one lone firework from my living room window, and that was it. (laughs) It had gone to the wrong place. You accidentally got to look at it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then I went to bed early. It was... Super depressing. That sounds like a Fourth <laughs> of birthday, July to remember. But you know what the 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 current political climate it was like the perfect Fourth of July to be on it. Right. <laughs> um, oh, I have to find that Facebook status that I sent y'all. Um, shout out to my friend Brooks for posting my favorite Facebook status I've seen in a long time. That was. Oh, now my, now my phone's deciding not to load since we've had yeah. all kinds of... Okay. Uh, hard to believe the Pilgrims got off the Titanic and discovered America 2019 years ago today. Quote, one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind, Squanto. And... Well, and then the next day we had the whole thing about the planes and the uh, Revolutionary War. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, guys. It's so bad. (laughs) Everything is falling apart. Everything is falling apart. We're unfortunately still in a a state of existence where Onion articles could be real headlines. They could. You know, so today I watched Wimbledon and I was like, man, I wish I was in England right now. Right? I just love the accents and the people and the... Not the food, though. Can I bring American food with me? Sure. Okay. Then let's go to England right now. Okay. Do we? Uh, hey, England, if you're listening, 
leave us a rating and a review on iTunes because we forget to ask for those things and they help us a lot. Do that and tell us how to get dual citizenship so that I can defect back to uh, Queen Elizabeth. Right. (laughs) I am a total loyalist. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So it's been 240 something years, but I'm still there. (laughs) Um, Oh, hey, you want to know something? I do. This is Lifetime Sentence and I'm Paul. I'm Erin. I'm what's up? I'm so excited that we remembered this week. We did like only ten minutes into our seventh take. We remembered. <laughs> um so I didn't okay. realize whenever I told you this was the case I wanted to do this week, that this was the case I wanted to do this week. Like this oh. is one of my favorite cases of all time. So I remember I've watched a 2020 on this case. You've watched every 2020. Like it's true. That just should go without saying at this point, all the way back to Barbara Walters. Like I'm up to date. Um, But it's been a while and I forgot how fucked up this is. Oh, and it got fucked up or as I did research and I hate when my research makes me question myself. This is a horrible. I mean, oof. I just popped my knuckle a hundred times and I just saw my microphone pick up every one of them. So Yay, you're welcome. That's your ASMR for the day. <laughs> um, God, and I even took my ADHD medicine and this is what y'all get today. Jesus. <laughs> you better hold on. Us. Take the wheel. Okay. So yeah, this week I watched Fatal Honeymoon and I yelled at my TV a lot. I yelled at your TV. <laughs> are these people really from alabama in real life the actors or the the real story not the actor i was like i don't know this answer yes the the real okay. story is from it's alabama set in Alabama. okay i just wanted to know because they they go hard on the alabama here so um if i slip into my accent i apologize please do um God. I've, I've been watching wimbledon all afternoon so it's been all british so i'm hoping that that will counteract any of the Alabama in my blood. We'll see. Anyways, um, yeah, this movie starred Billy Miller. He played Gabe Watson. Um, oh, damn, they in... didn't even change the names. This is one of those. Yeah. Um, he was an American sniper, uh, Ray Donovan, and he was in Suits. I have not seen, like you just gave a list of things Paul has not seen and probably won't ever see. You will know Suits because it used to star Meghan Markle. Okay. Before she became a duchess. I will not, I will reserve my opinion today. Um, Amber Um, Clayton. (laughs) I just, I, I love how much you love Meghan Markle. I know she's your icon. (laughs) Erin just choked on her beer. In this call. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like. I idolize, you know, educators like Ron Clark and I'm hoping Wade King and you idolize Meghan Markle. And I just think it's so cool that we have our thing. If I could reach you this week, (laughs) punch you in the face, I would. She made some waves this week, Miss Meghan Markle. Anyways, back to the story. Oh, sorry. Clayton. Okay. Plays Tina Thomas. Um, she was in a movie called St. Vincent, or I think it was a TV show, St. Vincent, Three Rivers, and Crawl Space. I don't know what any of those things are, so. 
Three Rivers sounds like something inspirational that Sarah has watched. I may have just made that up, but that's what it sounds like. I think you made it up. And then Harvey Keitel, he plays Tommy Thompson, a.k.a. who I will call dad, because he looks like my dad. Take Jimmy (laughs) Johnson. Take Tommy Thompson. Take my best friend, Bo. Bring it down. Okay, he was in Pulp Fiction. Okay, I know that one. Reservoir Dogs. Oh, and the Grand Budapest Hotel. I've not seen that one, but I know of it. You've heard of it. Yeah, that's a three out of three. Yeah, he also brings us my favorite segment, Pornhub or TV. Okay, I can for sure guess this one this week. Okay, I've been he training. was in a movie called My Sexiest Year. Go. My Sexiest Year is, um, it's a about whenever um chanel invented coco chanel like chanel number five and every man wore it before women discovered it and um it's actually about the one woman who decided to try it for herself and she was uh immediately integrated into the business world of men in the rugged 30s i don't know when chanel came out um and she was the first feminist to fight for true gender equality during the days when women did not work (laughs) and i am devolving as we go she is now Rosie the Riveter. You're in a flat spin. Yes. It's bad. Um, so what it is, is not that. I can't <laughs> imagine. <laughs> what it's if one day movie. I actually nailed it? It would be awesome. <laughs> I wish you would. It's a romantic coming of age story in which the kindness bestowed by a glamorous model is returned 30 years later by the young man in whom she inspired the first stirrings of confidence and love. Oh, I don't like when you say stirrings that closely to love. (laughs) Well, I can't help it. That's literally the description. Anyways, this movie... Opens in 2003 on a guy being interviewed. He's he's in the police interrogation room. He's telling the police that they came to Australia for their honeymoon to see the sea turtles. And I'm like, listen, let me tell you how many places between America and Australia you can go to see the sea turtles. Um, have you ever heard of the Georgia Aquarium in Atlanta? Like, <laughs> You can literally go to an island off the coast of texas and see like the sea turtles hatch and like go out to sea so you don't need to go to australia because as beautiful as australia is it wants to kill you it does like it's proven (laughs) australia if you're still listening shoot us an email yeah please rate review (laughs) (laughs) but also we're just worried about you yeah we are worried about you um they didn't they just didn't realize how strong the current was the guy says he tried to swim down to quote her, but she was sinking too fast and he couldn't reach her. The policemen conducting the interview are, are now sitting on a park bench later eating sandwiches. <laughs> I really like that juxtaposition. Like It's great. Off duty. Um, eat a sandwich. They're talking about how the story just isn't right. Um, flashback to the University of Alabama Woo-hoo, two years prior. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> A girl is walking out of class and the guy from the interrogation room is walking, um, is waiting for her to point out that they have four classes together and maybe it's fate. She says she doesn't believe in fate and walks away and lives happily ever after. God, what a very short movie. 
I know. It was great. Yeah. Uh, nope. He follows her and says that if she believes in God at all, she also has to believe in fate and therefore should go on a date with him. Um, homie, what you're trying to refer to is called predestination. And very <laughs> few branches believe in that. Branches? Okay, we're in the military now. <laughs> very few denominations believe in predestination, my homeboy. Yeah, he introduces himself. He's Gabe. She's Tina. She does not agree to go to dinner with him, but says she'll see him in class. All four of them. Um, later, she's walking with a friend and telling her the fate story. Her friend thinks Gabe is stupid, but Tina says she thinks she's going to call him anyway. I am just thinking back to my college existence. <laughs> and so, complete side note, but you're stuck with me now. So, because <laughs> um, I started college in like the heyday of MySpace. And so there were MySpace groups for like, my university and um i had and maybe even i mean it was the earliest days of facebook and i think i was in like the facebook group for incoming freshmen but um mm -hmm. i started talking to one of the other music majors um and we hit it off and we made good friends like over the internet and then we wound up going through freshman orientation together and my uh advisor did my schedule first and then literally copied my schedule for her so she and i had all the same classes Fast forward to four years of us having all the same classes and I wanted to run her over with a car every single goddamn day. Oh, no. So um, the moral of the story is don't go on dates with people you're in four classes with because you will hate them. Yeah. So. And we didn't date. Thank God. Tina invites Gabe to a party. And so he goes to the party and then just talks to other girls and not her. That's how you get a woman. So she like rolls her eyes at him and like gets all pissy, you know, so they go and they have a little argument and she says, you know, just whatever I'm leaving. So she tries to leave, but then he kisses her instead. And the next thing you know, they're toddler hugging in the kitchen, making out. Um, okay. That's if somebody's ignoring me all night, you know what I'm doing? Packing up my shit and leaving. Do you know what a toddler hug is? Do you know what I'm talking about? I just imagine one of them's hugging the other one's knees and it got to be real weird. So I gave up. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. So the bachelor bachelorette podcast I listened to, they call it a toddler hug. It's when you jump and straddle. Oh, right. Okay. It's like, it's like a little kid like yes. jumps on you and they wrap. It's like koala. Gotcha. Um, yeah. I do laugh internally that you thought I would know any reference from the bachelor or bachelorette. Oh. I assume that everyone does because it's the thing they show on TV in the previews all the time. It's the one thing you see is the jump and straddle. I have literally never, maybe never even seen a commercial for The Bachelor, or at least not since wow. college. But I don't have the TV on ever unless I'm actively watching Big Little Lies. I always have the TV on, as you can see. <laughs> always. Um, cut to Gabe meeting his uh, Tina's parents. And this goes horribly wrong. First, he tells them he sells bubble wrap for a living, which isn't so bad. Everyone needs a career, right? Um, then he mentions to her parents that he'd like to see Tina barefoot and pregnant in a kitchen. I'm looking around to see who thought that was a good idea. Like, <laughs> ain't nobody in this side. Then her dad asks her what church he goes to, and he says... I believe the First Amendment protects me from telling you that. I mean, if I were a Muslim, would you kick me out of here? 
What a douchebag. And her dad says, I might kick you out anyways. I would have. <laughs> I was like, go, dad. Um, this is Alabama. Is- They're likely to have a gun. Like, <laughs> Turns out Gabe is Baptist, so everything should be fine. Yeah. Um, he tells them he likes to scuba dive, and Tina says she didn't know that. Um, isn't he that terrifying? Dad says Tina doesn't dive, and since he hasn't been the one to shy away from the pissing contest just yet, Gabe says she'll have to learn and promises to keep her safe. I'm already not liking this story. Also, I know the ending, so there's that, but... The one thing that I hate about this movie... It was a pretty good movie, but they give him zero redeeming qualities. There is no reason on earth why this woman dated this guy for a long time and then married him. (laughs) Because he has no... He's an asshole the whole way through. He's never nice to her at all. That's awful. (laughs) Cut to a shot of Tina diving, scared and screaming for her dad. Um, Her dad wakes up from a nightmare. It's Birmingham, Alabama, four years later. And I wrote, can I just say that I'm shocked that we're this far into a movie based on people in Alabama and no one has said roll tide yet. Is that an Alabama thing? No, I'm kidding. I I saw Aaron's life flash before my eyes. She just took the headphones off and walked away. All right, you're stuck with me for the next three hours, guys. (laughs) Dad goes to sit at the dining room table and cry in the ugliest pajamas I've ever laid my eyes on. Um, He's looking at a photo. Turns out someone on board the boat had captured a picture of Tina falling to the bottom of the ocean and sent it to her parents. Why would you do that? Because I think... Because they let um, Gabe, like, go home and nobody, I guess they didn't think that anyone was really investigating this. And so they were like, I think your daughter was murdered. Like, here's this picture. Okay. But also, like, send it to the police. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Dad goes to the dive shop to talk to the guy who sent the picture. And he says that Gabe wasn't telling the truth about what happened. The guy says he's been on 800 dives. And the story that Gabe told about her going down feet first is complete crap like it just doesn't happen if she had still been alive when he let go of her uh she would have thrashed and been trying to get to the top okay so like trying to save herself um back in the interrogation room in 2003 gabe is saying that he tried to save her but he couldn't reach her and i have to make a complaint about this actor and i don't know if it's just for this character or what but he talks like he has a mouthful of dip and i hate it that's real hot Sounds, sounds like every guy I went to high school with. and Yeah, me too. You know, I just um, really like the uneducated masses that I dealt with. I was definitely that kid in all black with jelly bracelets and long bangs that hated everybody and thought that they were the problem. I was definitely the problem. It was me. I'm an asshole. I've kissed more than one guy that dips and I'll never do it again. Um, Hard pass. Next. Dad comes home from the dive shop, gets out of the car, and tells his wife, I'm going to Australia. Like you do. Yeah. Oh, by the way, um, because I will forget, they went to University of Alabama at Birmingham. They went to UAB, and they are not roll tied at UAB. Oh, it comes back. Okay. Because <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Like, they are not in Tuscaloosa in the real story. I don't know about real life. About in the movie. Yeah. They say roll tied at some point. Oh, damn. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, cut to dad on a plane sitting next to a very chatty Australian. 
um, dad arrives in Australia, goes straight to the police station. Can you imagine you're going to Australia because your daughter died diving and you got a however long flight i'm gonna guess 90 hour flight because that seems reasonable next to <laughs> chatty kathy from australia so first She's of like, all you gotta go see this and go see this and go see this and you gotta be go to this place and go diving and this and that and i was i was like i would have punched that guy in the face and using all these idioms that you don't know like australia has well i know i know those idioms thank you <laughs> Anyways, he goes to the police station. The detective comes to meet him in the lobby and escort him back so they can catch him up. Um, meanwhile, Gabe is in the shower in Alabama that he gets out to answer his ringing phone. It's some guy that they don't ever mention again calling to say that dad is in Australia. Gabe says, quote, great. He wouldn't leave Tina alone when she was alive and now he's going to start in on me. <clears throat> There. Okay, continue. This guy's a fucking asshole. That's not even the. We haven't even scratched the surface. Um, cut to dad and mom at um their thirtieth anniversary party. Tina and her sister are giving a toast while drunk Gabe pokes at her hips and laughs at her. Um, also, her sister's name is Alanda, which is right up there with Amabella. I had a friend in college named Alanda. And Alanda and I, shout out if you're listening, Alanda, because she actually might be. Um, we used to shut down the tutoring center together. And on nights that I didn't, she was the receptionist. And on nights that I didn't have tutoring clients, um, she had, God, we catfished people before catfishing was real. She had a, um, an account on sugardaddies.com, which I'm not sure if it still exists anymore. Um and she uh, had set up an entire fake account trying to find a sugar daddy, and we used to chat with creepy old men. So shout out to Alanda. Here's the thing. I say that it's right up there with Amabella, right? And it is. It is. But I'm so used to watching Big Little Lies now, the name Amabella no longer strikes me as weird. See, like Alanda doesn't strike me as weird because I know an Alanda. But anyways, if you want to hear us talk about Big Little Lies, go to our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash lifetime sentence. Put a little mini plug in there. Anyways, Gabe and Tina dance at the party. Dad tries to cut in and Gabe says no. Wow. What? And I said, what an asshole. Um, back in the present, the detectives are showing Dad a bulletin board covered in photos and maps because we can't have a Lifetime movie without one of these, right? We see Gabe telling a story about his dive computer having the battery in backwards. Um, so they had to go back to the boat the first time. Like, so they had dived down and then they had to go back up. Okay. Um, the police state that they, um, oh, he's in the interrogation and they're telling him that he has to, they have to keep his dive computer um, until the investigation over is over and Gabe completely like freaks out saying they have the information off of it. They shouldn't need the computer itself. He wants a receipt and he wants the, it known that the thing cost $1,500. Oh, he's just bragging about how much money he spent. That's all that yeah. is. Turns out if the battery is in backwards, much like anything else that's battery operated, the fucking thing doesn't work at all. I don't, I don't understand. What are you trying to say? That he's lying. What? You've never put your batteries backwards in your remote and gotten it to miraculously work? Nope. Wow. Never. 
Um, they ask dad what he thought of Gabe and we flash back to Tina and her family waiting at a restaurant for Gabe, Gabe to arrive, joking about how late he is. He rolls in on the phone talking about betting on a game. And I said, here it is. He says, roll tide before he hangs up. Damn. I knew it was coming. I knew it. You can't have a movie based in Alabama without the words roll tide coming out at some point. You have now just challenged me to do it. Sweet Home Alabama doesn't, I don't think. Um, he gets off the phone and shakes dad's hand and tells him, huh, another year older, huh? What a dick. <laughs> how do you how do you think things work? Yeah. He takes another call and dad excuses himself. Alanda makes a comment about how can they please just order already? And Gabe tells the caller, I gotta go. I'm being pressured into a dinner here. The fuck? And I wrote, did this guy grow up in a part of Alabama that doesn't have cotillion? Because he has no manners at all. I, okay, I didn't have cotillion and I still know how to be a human being. No, so he co- completely freaks out because Alanda tells him, like, you were late and, like, we're hungry and it's my dad's birthday, da-da-da. He completely freaks out and throws a piece of pizza at Tina in this restaurant. I can't. I'm done. I'm hanging up. You finish this without me. I'm going to be real rude. Um, everyone's mouth drops open, including mine. <laughs> he apologizes and leaves. Um, back in Aus- at the Australian police station, they show dad the interrogation video and they say they're trying to figure out why Gabe was lying. Okay. Um, they meet someone from another boat that was at the dive site. Basically, he saw Tina struggling and saw Gabe wrap his arms around her. But he didn't take her to the top. He just held her there. So he's saying that he thought he was trying to help her, but then right. she said, right. So back in Alabama, Tina and Gabe are making out, and she asks him if he's just using her for sex or if they're going to make a big commitment sometime soon. And then he points to a ring box on the TV stand, but says she can't look at it, and he's not asking her to marry him yet. Okay. She's... She hugs him and says she can't wait to tell her dad. And he says, well, you found a way to ruin the moment and runs off. Give the ring back. He didn't give it to her. He told her she couldn't have it yet. Even worse. Girl, pack your shit up and go. Please. Um, Her dad says he's just taunting her with the ring and she deserves better. Yes. Listen to dad. I don't always say those words. I almost never say those words. In fact. Dad shows up at the boat dock to go on a a fact-finding mission with the police. Um, And at first, one of the policemen says, like, he can't go because it's police business. But the other guy is like, nah, he can go. It's fine. Um, One of the guys that was there said they tried to revive her for 45 minutes before they pronounced her dead. But the kicker is that Gabe didn't ride back on the same boat as them. He left her body on one boat and got on a different boat. Well, I mean, that makes sense, right? No. You can't. Dead people creep me out. I can't be on a boat with dead people. She wasn't dead yet. He left her body while they were trying to revive her on one boat and swam back to another boat. Yeah. Yeah. Dead people creep me out. She wasn't dead yet. Yeah, she was dead. If they were trying to revive her, she was dead, by the way. That's how that works. You don't revive the living. You revive the unresponsive. 
if your wife drowned, would you take her out of the water and leave her on the side and leave? Like, be like, bye. Yeah. Dead people creep me out. You're an asshole. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, I absolutely, absolutely would not. That's the shittiest thing ever. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. Um... So he we cut to Gabe telling her parents that he had been there the whole time. But he's got the dead eyes. Right. I'm not surprised at this point. Back at the hotel, they do a reenactment. It turns out the other guy's account... Back at the hotel, the boat. I'm sorry, <laughs> I can't read. They turns out the other guy's account of what happened lines up with the dive computer information and where they found the body. Um, in Alabama... Um, Gabe and Tina are watching a football game and Tina turns off the TV to have an argument because the ring has been sitting on the TV stand for six months now. Tina says it can sit there for the next hundred years. She doesn't care anymore. And Gabe says, quote, fat manipulative female BS don't work on me, honey. I don't support people shooting their significant others, but Tina... <laughs> I'm giving you a free pat. I'm going to look the other way. <laughs> she then goes on a date with her friend's cousin that had a crush on her. She marries him instead and everyone lives happily ever after. Oh, good. I thought that was what was coming. Nope. He tries to kiss her and she turns away. But then she invites him in for coffee because he has a long drive. And Gabe is outside her house watching them the whole time. You know, like normal boyfriends do. Do you remember when we did Jody Arias and you gave an account of every time that it could have ended right there? And mm -hmm. our friend said they, I think it was Fran, said she'd made a drinking game and she had to give up because. <laughs> um, I think that's the last time I do that. I think. But I do call this guy an asshole about 400 more times. So oh, good. drink up, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> um, he shows up in her office the next day with a huge bouquet of flowers and proposes in the douchiest way imaginable in her office he just sets the ring on the desk and says the time is right then he gets on one knee and says quote you belong with me I even know where we're going on our honeymoon Australia at no point does he ask her to marry him I I'm literally seeing red right now. Let's just keep going. Um, Gabe goes to talk to dad and it goes oh so well because they get along just famously. Dad asks Gabe if he loves Tina and Gabe says the question is just too corny. Dad says he wants an answer anyways and Gabe says that the answer is personal between him and Tina. And the important thing is that they are comfortable together. His First Amendment right requires that he doesn't have to tell anybody if he's actually in love with the woman he's fucking engaged to. I'm pretty sure that he's thinking of, like, HR at a job interview and not the First Amendment. <laughs> Dad reluctantly gives his blessing and shakes Gabe hand, Gabe's hand and says, goodbye. Gabe says, I'll just show myself out then. And Dad says, you bet you will. <laughs> Back in Australia, they're still going over the timeline. Um, detective says he doesn't, they don't have a motive. And the dad says, oh, I'll give you a motive. And we cut to Tina taking dive lessons. She says she still doesn't like it. And Gabe, in his normal condescending voice, says, honey, sugar, baby, you can't back out now. I want a wife that doesn't shop all day. 
Guys, nobody can see you. I know. I have flipped. I just flipped everyone off. Oh my god, that was so aggressive. Okay. <laughs> she says that it scares her, and he says it's fine just to breathe. She says flippantly, kind of, well, if I forget to breathe, remember I'm an organ donor. And Gabe is like, that reminds me, I need to be the beneficiary on your life insurance policy. Um, no. Hey, I got a question. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the lifetime sentence official stance on life insurance policies? I do. <laughs> Didn't you just get a real fancy life insurance policy? Not, not of my own volition. So <laughs> be looking at Sarah real close, y'all. We cut to the wedding rehearsal. Tina is standing in the church with her dad. And she tells him that Gabe reminded her again about the life insurance. And dad is in no mood for this bullshit today. He says he'll take care of it when she gets back from her honeymoon. She tells her dad to pretend it's already done because she's afraid of Gabe getting mad. And dad says if she's afraid of him, maybe she shouldn't marry him. Um, I agree. She says, Gabe makes her happy and they're in the middle of talking and Gabe runs back and says to dad, if you won't bring her down, I'll take her myself. I fucking hate this guy. You're you're right. They, Ooh, I just hit my microphone. They really did him no favors. Like, Oh, Oh, it gets worse. No, I don't know how it could, but let's see. They get married. Yay. Um, Whatever. On the honeymoon, Tina is holding onto the rope because she's afraid. Like, this is, like, back at the scuba diving incident. She's holding onto the rope, and Gabe, like, literally, like, pulls her off of it into the water. Don't like that. Because he is the worst. Um, They have a press conference. The police are announcing that Tina's death has been ruled a homicide after several years. And we get our edit of the week. Okay. Gabe is at his house in Alabama making out with a blonde chick. He's on top of her with his eyes closed. He opens his eyes and she turns into Tina. Oh. He gets off of her and she turns back into random girl number two. Well. Uh, random is like, hey, what's wrong? And he says he just needs a drink of water. That's what I in- do whenever I see the face of my dead wife. He goes into the living room and sees about 400 cops pulling into his driveway Naturally, his first instinct is to go outside and tell them to get off of his property. Because he they knows have, all of his amendment rights. Yeah. They um, have a search warrant, though. So they handcuff him while he screams about Australia's jurisdiction. That's... <laughs> because the Australian detective is there. The cop just turns around and winks at him. It's pretty funny. I love that. Um, Random comes outside to see what's going on and finds her um, boyfriend, whatever, in handcuffs. And hey, it's Anderson Cooper. I know him. Um, really? Andy's in this picture? Picture. No, I'm 97 years old. God. It's just a clip of him reporting on uh, the actual case. Was it him giggling? Because no, I live for Anderson Cooper's giggling. giggle. Look, I ship Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen. From, yep. uh, Bravo all day long. I, I know they're just friends, but I really wish they would get together. So but cute. I want them both to be my dads. Okay. Um, Gabe and his lawyer are watching Anderson Cooper on the show, on the news um, while Gabe yells about Australia having no right to be in America searching his house because he's an American citizen and I bet he voted for Trump. Like, oh, he's proud to be an American. <laughs> 
His lawyer says, unfortunately, people under investigation for murder don't have a ton of rights when it comes to a legally executed search warrant. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Gabe screams, no, no, no. I don't want to hear that. You sue them for everything I can get. Okay. The only thing that would make this scene worse is if he, if the lawyer had turned out to be his dad. Right. <laughs> oh, Random turns out to be his new fiance, but she doesn't have a name. Gotcha. Um, Gabe blames Tina's father for this whole thing. They got the FBI involved for no reason. And we cut to a breaking news story because Gabe's being charged with murder. And I'm so shocked. This seems like a cut and dry accident to me. Yeah, I mean... All evidence points to anything but he's guilty. Totally. Gabe is talking on the phone while driving, which is very unsafe. Um, He's talking to his attorney. He tells him, quote, stop talking and get these charges dropped now. Today, not tomorrow, right now. And at least he's a douchebag to everyone and not just his wife and her family. For real, (laughs) if I were his attorney... I would not back talk. I would not get angry. I would just go as slowly as human fuckingly possible. (laughs) Yeah. He pulls into his driveway. Of course, he's surrounded by reporters. Meanwhile, dad is being interviewed by a guy that appears to have little squish balls and a bowl as his centerpiece. I thought that was interesting. Okay. Gabe is watching and pacing in front of the TV. He's ranting to his fiance about how crazy this is and how he never should have agreed to let Tina be buried in her family's plot. And damn, I wish I could say this wasn't foreshadowing. Um, instead of his own family plot. He stops when his fiance isn't acting shocked enough about this because, quote, you knew about this honeymoon killer business long before we hooked up. Oh, my God. She says rumors are one thing, but it's totally different now that he's being charged with murder. I mean, this is the face of romance you're staring into. Yeah, it's real sexy. Um, Gabe says dad is psycho and asks why new fiance can't just support him. Maybe it's because Tina loved him more than new fiance loves him. Oh, damn. Snap. I just, I wish that the fiance would snap and kill him. At this point, I just want anything. Like, a comically large piano dropped from a second floor. I can't believe this man has convinced two people to marry him at this point. Um, he then sneers at her, quote, Do not make me defend myself in my own house. We cut to dad arriving at the cemetery. God, I hate this. Ugh. He arrives at the cemetery to bring flowers to Tina's grave and Gabe is having her dug up and fucking moved. And I fucking hate him so much. This is a bunch of fucking bullshit. And if dad killed him right here, I would not even blame him. That's what I typed. Good. Get it all out at once. This is the most awful thing he could have ever done. It's so fucked up. It's so awful. I just can't even imagine. Um, Dad begs Gabe not to do this. Um, But Gabe screams that uh, he's her family, not them. And so he's moving her. And the dad just stands there and says, shame on you. Oh, my God. It's awful. It's horrible. It's I just can't. It's so bad. Um, Gabe and his family are at the lawyer's office. And his mom is saying how 
anyone can believe that her precious baby Gabe would ever so much as hurt a fly. She just cannot understand. I I have no more words. Because your son is a complete asshole, yes. ma'am. That's why. Um, back to Tina and Gabe on their honeymoon. Her phone rings. They're on like a boat tour. He tells her not to answer it. We get a montage of them on a boat ride, playing in the ocean, holding koalas, making out on the beach, etc. Gabe goes to the cemetery. Oh. <clears throat> so during this, um, Tina's parents bring flowers to the new grave plot. And they like plant them in the ground, right. right? The next thing we see is Gabe going to the cemetery. He rips the flowers out of the ground and throws them away. No, no, those aren't yours. But he's being filmed by the police, so whoopsie, Thank you God. fucking asshole. Um. Later, they're showing it. Of course, it ends up on the internet because, of course, it is. Right. Um. um his dad is asking what the hell he was thinking. And Gabe says that dad is a psycho that will stop at nothing to see him in jail. And I'm like, dude, these are your actions at this point. Back in Australia, Detective 2 is saying maybe they should take a step back. But Detective 1 is saying they know Gabe is a liar. Um, back at the boat on their dive, Gabe and Tina meet some other divers on their honeymoon. She's telling people that... She's never gone diving in the open ocean and everyone just kind of looks at each other, but nobody tells her that maybe this is like too hard of a dive for her to do. Not, not a single person? No one. Okay, that's that's fair. Um, she gets a little seasick and Gabe tells her she's going to ruin the trip, but then he apologizes. So point one for you, fucker. The next morning she asks him if she didn't want to die because she's still seasick, would he be mad? But of course he would be, so she says... She'll go. The captain suggests to them an orientation dive because the current is really strong. But Gabe declines because he's a rescue diver. He's a rescue diver. He's a rescue diver. He's a rescue diver. Thank God we're saved. So Tina um, declines as well. And I wrote here, ha, he's wearing a Lambda Chi t-shirt. And I can't believe I just, I just now noticed that. And I also can't believe that someone in this fraternity didn't pitch a fucking fit about it being worn in this movie by a murderer. Um, Tina is I'm, still nervous. I'm sorry. I was just thinking about, like, who do you, th what Lambda Chi member do you think is watching a Lifetime movie about the fatal honeymoon? I assume that somebody that's married to a Lambda Chi member has seen this movie. There we go. Okay. See, I'm not logical. I'm artistic. You have to be the logic behind this thing. Gotcha. Um, she's still super nervous. The girl on the boat gives her a hug and says she doesn't have to go if she doesn't want to. But she says she does have to go. Um, Gabe and his lawyer argue because Gabe doesn't think the lawyer believes him enough. Um, um, wait, he doesn't think his own lawyer believes him enough? Because mm -hmm. here's the thing. Your lawyer doesn't have to believe you. Your lawyer mm -hmm. has to fight for Defend you. Him. Yeah. Back in the water, Tina is scared that she may not have enough air, but Gabe assures her that she does. They go down and he pulls her off the rope while she shakes her head no. Um, they swim off. Tina is pointing at the surface trying to get up. Um, I don't know if you know a lot of like dive, whatever, but you can like do this. That means you want to go up. Um, oh, no, I... Have act I actually get in the water very rarely, except for the pool that pulled all of my um, I love hair dye out. So that that's the extent of my water knowledge. 
I love the water. I could live there. Um, Tina is scared. Oh, wait, hold on. Um, she's pointing, but uh, so they get into like a little bit of a tiff underwater and she knocks his mask off while she's struggling to get away from him. He gets it back on and sees that at this point she's struggling for air. She's Her eyes are really wide. She can't breathe or whatever. He swims over and grabs her, but then he lets go and she just falls slash floats to the bottom. He swims to the top to, quote, get help, while someone else goes to the bottom and pulls her to the surface. I just want to remind you, he's supposed to be a, a rescue, rescue diver. diver. Yeah. Um, they try to revive her, but she's she's dead um people start asking him what happened and he starts his story but the guy in the boat says the story is bullshit he says to him aren't you a rescue diver and then he tells gabe he needs to come up with a different story because what he's saying is impossible um the lady diver asks if he wants to go over to the other boat and um be with her and he says no he'll just be in the way but he could really use a hug right now I swear to fucking God, I've never been so angry as I was just now when you said those words. And I know this, Kay. I know this story. It's not news to me. Later, the guy comes over. The guys come over from the other boat and tell him that Tina didn't make it. And he laughs. And then he smiles and then he looks worried. Later, everyone in the boat is talking shit because Gabe about Gabe because, like, of course they are, you know. Back in Alabama, dad is getting ready for the day, tying his tie. Gabe doesn't even call her parents himself. He has her, his own father do it. No. No. So Gabe's dad calls and, and tells him that Tina is dead. Dad falls on the floor screaming. It's a little too lifetime melodramatic for me, but it was okay. Um... Back in 2009, Gabe is in his house while reporters hound his fiance outside. Gabe says he's going to take control of the situation and get rid of them once and for all, but he needs to know his fiance will stick by him, so he asks her to marry him that weekend. She says yes. I don't know why. Um, over at the mom and dad's, the phone rings and wakes dad up. Turns out it's the detective because Gabe has shown up in Australia to have himself arrested. Well. Detective says, Dad better get down here ASAP because they don't trust Gabe. He's definitely up to something. And boy, is he ever. Oh, um, no. They take an offer to the judge. Basically, he's going to admit that he could have saved Tina, but he didn't. We see him crying over her body in the morgue. And he takes off her wedding ring and puts it in his pocket. Right. I don't recycle that bitch. I just, yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Yeah, it's um, low mileage. You could use this again. And I, this is where I wrote, he has no redeeming qualities. Why did she ever marry this guy? Um, the detectives are fighting with the DA, I guess. It's whoever wears the floppy bow collar in court. <laughs> they accept the plea because the case isn't good enough to get him for murder. Everyone's wearing wigs in court, and it's a good thing I don't live in Australia because I'd never be able to keep a straight face for that. <laughs> also, can you imagine how sweaty you get in one of those powdered yes. wigs? Hard pass. No. He pleads guilty um, to. Ah, oh, shit. He pleads guilty to negligent manslaughter. 
The judge says he has reprehensible character, but then says he probably feels bad since he pled guilty and sentences him to 12 months hard labor. So at least he'll be ripped when he gets out. He can terrorize his new wife. Oh, thank Um, God. The detective apologizes to dad and dad just asked if the deal was made before Gabe left for Australia. Um, Detective just looks away. So I assume the answer is yes. And Australia, congratulations. You've made the list. Um, Dad tells reporters that that this is a joke and there has been no justice for his daughter. Then he mic drops and walks away. Uh, We see Gabe go to prison while a reporter says his sentence was increased to 18 months after Tina's family and the prosecutors protested his light sentence. We see him get out of prison 18 months later and get directly onto a plane back to America. Now he's the chatty one talking about how he wants to eat a cheeseburger and to make out with his wife. Um, they land and he's immediately arrested for the, by the FBI for planning Tina's murder while still in America. And I was like, yay, FBI. (laughs) They march him right by dad. Who's just looking on, um, the judge threw out the case though, because of course he did Alabama. You're still canceled. Um, Gabe throws a barbecue to celebrate and his wife gets barbecue sauce on him. So she apologizes. He says, it's all good. And he washes his arm in the pool. And we get a second edit of the week. No way. Because this movie is just that kind. He looks in the pool and sees Tina in her wedding dress, eyes wide open, floating down to the bottom of the pool. Mm -mm. He's shocked and then turns around and says, who wants to go for a swim? The ending text says, on February 3rd, 2012, Judge Tommy Nail dismissed the murder charge against Dave Dave Watson. Uh, His name is David Gabriel. Um, the judge acknowledged the mystery still lingers over Tina's death saying, quote, I don't know anyone. I don't think anyone knows for sure what happened in the water down there. Um, Tommy Thomas is still fighting to have Tina's body returned to their family plot. God. The end. This case fucking sucks. Holy shit. Um, so this case has been covered by, um, several of my favorite podcasts, um, the Generation Y episode of this is phenomenal. Um, oh, I didn't know they covered it. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. And then um, Pretty Sure and That's Why We Drink covered it. Um, I, is, I have to find that one, too. Uh, in fact, I think it was in That's Why We Drink where I learned about the Generation Y one. Um, hmm. And Wine and Crime or My Favorite Murder covered it. So I don't think it's been on Wine and Crime. Okay. Um so, needless to say, lots of people have said everything about it. Um, it fucking sucks. Um, but it's so fascinating to me. And um, at 3.30 this morning, I was still deep diving because I found stuff I'd never seen before about this case. Whoops. And yeah. So. Hey, guys. Whoops, sorry. Well, hello, Aaron's phone. It was me. <laughs> I was trying to look at something and it just like popped up into a live video. My bad. Well, all right. So uh, while Erin's getting her life back together and calming her heart rate. Oh, geez. Let's <laughs> see where we're at. We measuring, measuring, measuring. <laughs> you can go. I know. I'm getting back to my first page. All right. So. 91 beats per minute. There we go. Well, all right, so uh, Christina Marie, no, Christina May Watson went by Tina. 
um, was actually born in West Germany on February 13th, 1977. Um, and then she relocated to the U.S. while she was still a little baby. And oh. then her parents adopted her um, in 1980. Oh, I didn't know she was adopted. That's so sweet. Yeah, she was adopted January 24th, 1980. Um, oh. So that seems like a good day because any day someone is adopted, I think it's a good, good day. day. Yeah. Um, and they lived in um, Alabama in Walker County. Mm-hmm. And then they did move, uh, live briefly in Louisiana. Shout out what up. Um, before moving back to Birmingham. And um, when she was living in Birmingham, she attended uh, university or she attended college at the University of Alabama at Birmingham, um, UAB. Yeah. I So I, I said my piece about Roll Tide. They went back and forth between University of Alabama and UAB. And because sometimes he would wear an, a UAB shirt, but they quoted the University of Alabama and then they threw in the roll tide. And I don't think people know that there's a difference. That there's a big difference. Uh, yeah. Yeah. UAB has a really good, um, like biology and science department. Um, I know several of my friends wanted to get master's degrees there or like it was on their list of places. Um, mm-hmm. because I couldn't hang out with the fine arts people in college. They were all too weird for even me. So I hung mm-hmm. out with all the science people. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, um, when she was young, or not young, when she was younger, um, she was diagnosed with um, PSVT, which is PSVT. <laughs> I looked at these medical terms and thought, let me not try that. Um, anyway, but it is a uh, supraventricular tachycardia. Um, that I asked Sarah about because I thought I was going to be so smart and educate y'all. And when her response this morning was, I'm going to need more time to tell you about it. I was like, oh shit, it's complicated. <laughs> and so um, basically it sucks. Um, and there, some people will go into this um, arrhythmia. Like everybody goes into an arrhythmia from it. But who has it? But some people, the arrhythmia lasts for like short spurts, but some people can get in there like long term. And so there mm-hmm. are several operations that they can do to fix it. Um, the most predominant of which is they actually go in and do a heart cath, um, which Tina actually had done. And that comes back later. Okay. So she didn't have a heart cath to correct it. Um, Interesting. That, well, because just v, to me, VT sounds like VTAC, which is tachycardia. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what like it's all a, it's all a pretty um complicated heart issue um so um she started dating Gabe Watson and then they um in 2001 and then in 2003 um they started taking diving lessons together um mm-hmm. and she earned her certification just before their wedding in October of 2003. They were married October 11th, 2003. Mm-hmm. Um Watson was purportedly a qualified certified rescue diver. Interesting. Um with experience in the um in the lake at Oak Mountain State Park. Um mm-hmm. And so according to Watson, he'd completed 55 dives dives by the time of their marriage. And Tina had completed a whopping five. 
Wow. Which so this is they're diving in a lake then. Yes. In Alabama, because I was confused because they show them like on the shore, and I was like, do people think that Birmingham is close to the water? It's not that close. No, it's not. The shore, like it's. I mean, when you get like into Texas closeness, it's closer than you know whatever, but. It's not that close. It takes a while to get to the shore from Birmingham. Right. Um, And I actually found while I was doing my research a um, Reddit, a subreddit about this. Um, (laughs) And uh, thank God to the internet sleuths at subreddit, like at any subreddit. uh, Thank God to the internet sleuths at Reddit is what I was trying to say. Uh, because they pointed me to this really interesting website um, that I'm going to mention while I'm thinking about it. Um, it's Michael McFadden's website. He's a scuba diving expert who was mm-hmm. actually consulted in the trial. Okay. Interesting. And, and his website is linked in this subreddit. I will try to remember that. I put this subreddit in our notes this week. Um, because if you click his information, like if you click his website... There is, um, his entire report is posted on his website. Um, he's got like the preface, which is how he became involved. And then all nine parts of his investigation, um, there, like his narrative behind that. And it's very interesting. Um, I mean, you got on Reddit, and I, I'm surprised you're not still deep diving on this case. Oh, I mean, no, I'm on a different deep dive at this point, where, like, okay. I'm surviving on coffee and conspiracy theories as we speak. Excellent. So, so proud. Right, right. Um, so, anyway. Um, yeah, so he, for all of his bragging that he was a rescue diver, he uh, had only completed 55 dives and um they went to sydney on their honeymoon specifically to dive um off of a really like difficult diving um let's see let me find where it was they chose to dive off of a difficult uh place to dive it was the wreck of the ss yungala which was a ship that sank in 1911 mm-hmm. and um yes Tina had never dived in the ocean before and Watson and Gabe had only dived a few times in the ocean and Tina had not gone below nine meters before. So going to a sunken ship okay. was probably not a great idea without having like better experience. Yeah. Um, the dive, Especially if you're nervous. Now if she had been super excited or something that's a little bit different or if she had really like, I don't. I, I just feel like if you're scared, I think your first dive in the open water because it's so different in open water than it is anywhere else um, should be somewhere like maybe more shallow and uh, something that's going to be a little bit less nerve wracking than such a. It was a difficult dive they were trying to right, do. Right, right. Um, the dive company did offer an orientation and a guided dive with a master diver, but they refused it. So yeah, because Gabe says he's. Basically a master diver. Right. That's what he told the guy. Oh, of course. Good. Thanks. Yeah. Um, around 10.30 a.m. on October 22nd, um, they were on their dive excursion from the boat that they were on was called the Spoil Sport. And I love that so much. <laughs> so <laughs> the Spoil amazing. Sport took them out to the side of the Yungala. 
Um, Tina lost consciousness and sank to the bottom. She sank about 30 meters below the water's surface within two minutes of beginning to dive. Just think about how short two minutes is. That's like not even your favorite Taylor Swift song. No. It's a very short time. Um, Watson claimed that the currents were stronger than they expected um, and that he responded to the signal that she um, that she gave to return to the dive rope. Um, but he noted a look of worry on her face before she knocked his air mask and regular or his mask and air regulator loose. So Tina's flailing about according to his story and she disorients him. Um, by the time he was able to recover, Tina was sinking too quickly for him to retrieve her and he quickly surfaced to get help. Um, and this is when he finally tells people that he has an ear problem so he couldn't go deeper than that. Um, so, so if you're going to be a master diver or a rescue diver, at least, right. You're a rescue diver. You have to be able to like reach the people you're going to rescue. Yes. Yes. Um, so two, two big things here is he's got this magic inner ear problem that can't let him go, you know, to wherever Tina is. Like if she's four meters under, he can only go 3.9. It's real awkward. Like, Super awkward. Right. Um, and then also she did have that heart surgery. Um, mm-hmm. Now I asked Sarah, like, why wouldn't she have disclosed that she had heart surgery? Cause that seems like a big deal. Not that she knows anything about psychology, but Sarah said lots of people don't actually think of the heart cath as a surgery, even though it is an invasive procedure. It, you don't go under like full anesthesia, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just this super big yeah. thing. So lots of people don't think of it consciously as a surgery. Yeah, it's even it's not even done in like a full on OR. Usually, it's done in like a cath lab, right? Which is like yeah, specifically set up for that procedure, right? Um. So then he also said in the um, interviews with the police officers that there was nothing in his training as a rescue diver about how to get someone in trouble to the surface. So I guess he and I have different definitions of rescue. <laughs> because what it sounds like to him to like what it sounds like he's describing is just somebody who goes down with friends um, I mean, like like you don't typically rescue people who aren't in trouble you dumb asshole <laughs> i mean i guess you do when you're learning but then you're you're learning to rescue people that are in trouble right like by the Jesus. by the time you tell people you're a rescue diver, I would hope that you could at least fucking rescue something. <laughs> oh no, we all, anything. We only learn tree branches. Sorry, not people. We can we can throw some of those rings into the water for that. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's oh, um, the fucking worst. Now there was a diver who was there, a doctor named Stanley Stutz that's a name stanley stutz just checking that said it right um and he um reported seeing watson holding a flailing woman in a bear hug Mm -hmm. after which he headed for the surface while tina fell to the ocean floor and I have questions about how this shook out, like, for real. I do, too. I have lots of questions, and that's why that one website was so important that I'll get back to. Okay. But, um, 
for one, I think I really want to know is, did this doctor witness this man holding his wife and then she fell and then he was just like, cool? Yeah, he was like, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> like... That's like, not the floor foreplay I've seen before, but you see something, say something, sir. <laughs> right. Um, another diver, Gary Stempler, was taking pictures of his wife, and he accidentally, or not accidentally, he like just by chance photographed Tina in the background, and it showed her lying face up on the ocean floor. Um, yes. But this did not come, like, nobody knew this until, like, two weeks after the pictures were developed. And mm-hmm. you don't get pictures developed the day of. So quite a bit of time had passed at this point. Oh, man. What did we do before the iPhone? God. Wait. Sarah and I did not have smartphones when we got married. And so all of our honeymoon pictures are on disposable cameras. Shut up. That's hilarious. I, we haven't even developed them. But we have them. <laughs> so I've got to find somewhere that will do I don't even know if the film's still good at this point. I'm sure it is. Um, so then Watson, uh, Gabe, I don't think that... Because Tina took his last name for the whole day and a half they were married before she died. I feel weird saying Watson as him, but... How did she have time to legally change her last name? Um... That takes a minute. You don't just like call someone and say like, I'm Watson now. Bye. It actually, it took just a couple of hours for us. Like Sarah did it when we got back from our honeymoon, but depending on when they left after their wedding, they could have had time. Right. But I'm thinking like he got married. The timeline is like 11 days total. You also, yeah, but you also have to um, get your marriage license. Like you can get your marriage license like two weeks before you get married. So they could have gone through the process of changing her name before the wedding. Oh, jeez. Okay. Um, it's just it's just odd to me that she had, like, anyone I've known that's gotten married has done it after they got well, married. Well, that comes into my like conspiracy theories, like the oh, good. coffee and conspiracy theories. We'll talk about that, too. Um, cool. So uh, Gabe climbs aboard the spoil sport and tells the dive instructor, who then brought Tina to the surface after she'd been under for over 10 minutes that's a long time yeah she was taken aboard uh, an adjacent dive boat called the jazz 2 and a doctor tried to resuscitate her for 40 minutes while watson stayed on the spoil sport so yeah yep he was just like you know what she looked she looked bad i'm gonna stay i'm gonna stay over here somebody hug me (laughs) (laughs) i need a hug Oh my god, he's the worst. Okay. Um, so Australia really knows what's up because her autopsy happened the next day. Hey. Yeah. Um and so it was performed the next day, and Williams found florid evidence of air embolism, but no degenerative disease. I meant to ask Sarah what the hell that meant. I assume that that basically means drowning. Say that again? He found florid evidence of air embolism, but no degenerative disease. So an air embolism is in your... That's when you get a clot in your lung. Yeah, but it's a, a clot in your lung. But, but I, this would be I, like an air bubble not, in your lung. 
not from I don't think her official cause of drowning or like official cause of death was drowning. It I was. think it was asphyxiation. He gave the cause of death as drowning. Oh. Because she would have had water in her lungs and that would have been very clear. Right. And they gave it, like in the movie, they gave it as asphyxiation. Like she had um, suffocated, basically. Right. No air. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, in fact, wrote, do huh? So that I could ask <laughs> Sarah if she knew what any of this meant before I Googled it. And then I just forgot because I was watching Big Little Lies before this. We're professionals. Uh, that's a word that has been used to describe people near or around me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so a um, an investigation was opened by the state coroner's office because mm-hmm. you're not going to believe this. Gabe's story made no fucking sense. Oh my God. I'm sorry. Let me restate that. Gabe's stories made no fucking sense. Oh my God. Right. For real? Yeah, for real. I mean, he seems very truthful. I just, um, it did come out later that before they before they got married, Gabe had demanded that she increase her life insurance to 140,000 I'm almost positive was the number I read, which is still really low to kill yeah. someone over. Um, and Tina's dad was actually her life insurance agent. And so she'd gone to him to have him take care of that. And he really did just brush her off. And he was like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll do that when y'all get back. Like MBD. Um, because mm-hmm. he thought it was suspicious AF. Well, I agree. Yep. Um. So the investigation starts to take place and um, prosecutors submit evidence that his stories contradict the record of his actions stored by his dive computer. And this is where that great um, argument that he comes up with and like story number 27 out of, you know, 4 million uh, that, well, his dive computer was malfunctioning because he put the battery in upside down. Right. I mean, when I tell the truth, it often changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot. The truth is subjective. It is completely. Yeah. That's why it's called the truth. Um, Perception is reality, right? Exactly. (laughs) And so um, they suggest the possibility that he turned off her regulator and then held her while she was uh, uh, unconscious and then turned her air back on and let her sink before surfacing himself, which would fit in with the, I saw him bear hugging her while she flailed story. Mm-hmm. Um, as evidence, they described they like the police divers went underwater and recreated like 400 scenarios to try to like recreate all the stories that he told. And then like, to do. right. And then like find all of the plausible outcomes. And so um, they cite that, People, you know, they cite all these reenactments conducted by the police divers and that that was the only plausible outcome that would result in Tina falling to the, you know, like to this scenario playing out. Right, right, right. Um, And then, like I said, um, Gabe demanded that she increase her life insurance and that he be the sole beneficiary. Um, In March of 2005, so... um, they got and what's concerning about that because you know when you get married that's 
it's a thing to do, like put on the checklist, right. you know, the life insurance. The fact that he seemed very fixated on it before the wedding right. and was demanding. Right. That's exactly right. To me is like, well, what now? You know? Right. Because um, hell, like life insurance is something I still have not like actively considered. And Sarah and I have been married for eight years. Like we actually have assets at this point. I mean, I have a lot. I mean, I have a life insurance policy, but you know, I have a kid, so I have one for work that I almost said if I die, <laughs> when I die, covers like my spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> covers like the cost of the funeral. Like I did not take out a huge policy because I have nothing. And at the time, I had no debts. I hadn't even gone back to my master's degree. I have enough that would cover, like, my funeral expenses and then, like, maybe would pay for his, like, college, for his schooling. Right. Or whatever that he decides to do with it. But that's it, you know? Yeah, let's plan on you not dying anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, I was want to tell you, you're the sole beneficiary. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Aaron, that means so much to me. Just joking. Now if Aaron dies, all fingers are being pointed at me. Absolutely. <laughs> to be fair, people, we've not even been in the same room together before. But we will be in oh, less than a week. Less than I'm a week. I'm so excited. <laughs> also, shout out okay. to Erin, who has been texting me and telling me how excited she is. She is. Um, Shelby, too. Shelby's excited. Shelby, too. shout out to you. Um, shout out to everybody. I woke up this morning, and I'm super excited. Like, I don't know why, but Shelby's wedding is in a couple months. And I'm like, man, I'm super pumped for that. It's going to be so much I know. Fun. I know. All right, so um, in March 2005, so this event happened October of 2003, mm-hmm. and then we're just kind of in limbo for a year and a half um, while they're investigating and stuff. Well, okay. Um, in March of 2005, Watson launched into legal action against Alabama's uh, circuit court to... <laughs> Um, Jesus. Sorry. Not, I, I already don't want to hear this because you're laughing. Not a, it's not against Alabama. Sorry. He filed it in Alabama against oh, um, no. the travel insurance company because they wouldn't pay for his wife's death because he was being investigated for murder. We did not have a great time. Zero out of ten. <laughs> do not recommend. I want my money back. He wanted $45,000 for the accidental death. Plus compensation for the trip interruption that his wife's dying inconvenience placed on him. Medical expenses, phone calls, taxi fares, fees for credit card statements, and unspecified punitive damages for mental and emotional anguish. Man, fuck this guy so much. He's the worst. (laughs) Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Well, yeah, he found out that life insurance policy hadn't gone through. He's got to do something else now for all that money. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, so the action was dismissed in May of 2008. So it hangs out with nothing happening for over three years before it's finally dismissed. Um, it's like some judge like picked up a file and was like, Oh fuck, we should have dismissed this a long time ago. Like done. (laughs) Yes. Uh, so finally, Watson himself canceled it because he said that the investigation into his wife's death caused him to, quote, 
reasonably apprehend that he risks self-incrimination in this case. So, like, maybe I shouldn't sue because my wife died because it makes me look bad. He didn't reasonably <laughs> apprehend that before. <laughs> I did. A long time ago. You know his lawyers were like, this douchebag. Yeah, we'll go to court for that. You- uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> like, his lawyer in the movie is like, okay, dude, whatever. <laughs> um, He's like, yeah, guy, sure. Okay. Sure, Jan. That's my favorite meme. I mean, my sure, favorite gift. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm mine too. <laughs> so, I send out. Actually, my favorite is the one of Tinkerbell with her arms crossed and she's like flailing, but she's got the pixie dust coming off her. That's my favorite. That's like my mood all the time. Right. <laughs> um, also, during this time, his Australian legal team believed that it was not in his best interest to pursue the damages claim. Not a. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> and his U.S. attorney Bob Austin. Also said that he would not be voluntarily going back to Australia. They'll just mail everything. Good plan. Checks in the mail, buddy. Um, so on June 19th, 2008, the coroner laid the following charge. So now this is five years, almost five years into this event. Like this, the, her poor family. And if, I know. And if he didn't do anything... I just rolled my eyes, everybody. But if he didn't yeah, do anything, did. then poor him too. He did though, but like <laughs> allegedly, you have to say allegedly. No, he went to jail for it. So yeah, but that's because he pleaded. We he. I don't care. He admitted guilt, so he went to jail for it. So it's no longer alleged. His admitted guilt was for negligence, not for attempted murder, and that's very I didn't different. Say he murdered her. I said something happened, and that's not alleged. Because he went to jail for it. I, he pled guilty. Well, I said if anyway, he did something, and negligence is a lack of doing something. So they're fine. He didn't do something, <laughs> and she died. Continue. I'm sorry. I'm splitting hairs really, here. You really are. Um, I just hurt. It's no wonder her dad or her parents or whoever became fixated on this because it wouldn't go away. Right. There's no closure. And when something is always there, you're gonna you're gonna obsess about it. Right. So I get it. Um, So this was their statement, um, or like the charges. On the 22nd day of October, 2003, at the site of the historical shipwreck Yongala, 48 nautical miles southeast from the port of Townsville in the state of Queensland, David Gabriel Watson murdered Christina Mae Watson. Um, It was reported that the, the... So the news reported that the coroner said that it was likely that Watson had killed his 26-year-old wife by turning off her air supply and holding her in an underwater bear hug until she was dead. But the coroner the coroner did not make that finding. So don't put that on the coroner. I mean, it's allegedly probably true, but don't put that on the coroner. Um so he Resisted extradition for six months and then finally voluntarily traveled to Australia in May of 2009 to face trial. Mm-hmm. So here we are going on six years now. After the trial on June 5th, 2009, he pleaded not guilty to murder, but he did plead guilty to and was eventually and was convicted of uh, manslaughter. Right. Um, so why did I write that? I don't know. Okay. 
Um, this case is so sad. <laughs> Brendan Campbell God. pointed out that over time, Watson. Oh, okay. I know what I did. <laughs> okay. Um, so the prosecutor, Brendan Campbell, pointed out that over time, Watson had given police 16 different versions of the events of that day. And none of those versions matched what the only eyewitness had seen. Even if in your head you mix things up, that ha- I mean, that happens, right? right? Your memory you fades. You remember and- Or as time goes on, your memory fades. And so you remember things differently. But 16 different ways? Right. That's a lot. Yeah. <sighs> um, so I-, I probably definitely allegedly did something. I'd written in my notes, A-A-Ron, and I couldn't figure out why I wrote that, but it's because I wrote in church, and I wanted to write, you done fucked up A-A-Ron for the <laughs> 16 different stories. <laughs> you done fucked up A-A-Ron. I have a guy, there's a guy named um, Aaron in my office, and I did that to him, like, I would, people did it to him so much that I think it made him mad, so after a while, like, I... Was like I will not do that to you anymore. But people still do it. To oh. me. So <laughs> um, now, in the course but of he's a nice guy. In the course of this process, he did um, remarry a woman named. You know what? Her name's not important. She's not part of this story. Random number two. Random number two. She looked just like his first wife. Hmm. Shocking. Right. And uh, so. I am so sorry to her that she got dragged into all this nonsense, but he either clearly has a type or he is trying to replace what he broke, which is a psychological thing people do. Yes. Um, when Tina was brought to the surface, her regulator was still in her mouth. Her tank still had air and tests indicated no faults with her equipment. Uh, Campbell described Watson as an experienced diver trained in rescuing panicked dri- divers who had allowed his wife to sink to the ocean floor without making any serious attempt to retrieve her. He didn't inflate her uh, buoyancy control device. He did not mm-hmm. remove her weight belt. He did not fulfill any of his obligations as her dive buddy. Um, and so he... Which your number one obligation is to not leave your buddy. Right. That's like your thing that you you don't leave them. Right. And then, of course, like if something happens and they pass out or lose consciousness, you take off their weight belt and you inflate their their buoyancy their device. Buoyancy device. And they then because then you don't have to carry them to the top. They just shoot on up there. Right. And his response was he couldn't do that because she would have gone up so quickly it would have hurt her ears. But I'm like, shit, if she was about to die, bust her eardrums, they can repair that. Yeah, she might have gotten the bends, but she would have probably been really happy that she didn't die. Yeah, like, <laughs> like if that's your excuse, I would rather be deaf and alive than drowning to death. Yeah. Drowning to death? Well, you can drown and be revived. But like, I'm sorry, that's just funny. <laughs> the moment of panic when you were drowning, you know, like when you were little and you went too far down in the pool and you thought yeah. you were never coming back up, like that yeah. is terrifying. Yeah. So um, he was sentenced to four and a half years in prison, but um, it was suspended after he served 12 months. So basically... Mm-hmm. What they came around to was that it was a crime of omission and not a crime of commission. That he did not actively commit something by doing something to her. He just ignored her while she drowned. Um, 
and blamed it on poor training that or whatever. It's just as bad. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because those things are things that are not, they're not advanced lessons on how to rescue somebody. It's fucking common sense. Right. You take off their weight belt, you, you inflate their buoyancy thing, and that's that. Like, I, I don't know. Whatever. So, um, her family actually um, stated that his 12-month term was an embarrassment to Australia. And they were, like, very vocal about that. And I support that. They're on the list. Yeah. But um, the following day, um, Alabama Attorney General lodged an appeal and um, wrote to um, the Queensland Attorney General. Mm-hmm. And um, the... Director of Public Prosecutions issued a statement that said the decision to accept Mr. Watkins Watkins that's his new name the decision <laughs> the decision to accept Mr. Watson's plea of guilty to manslaughter was made after a careful and thorough examination of the admissible evidence and was not taken lightly Given the complex circumstantial nature of the case, Mr. Watson's admission that he breached his duty to render assistance to his wife ultimately meant that there was no reasonable prospect of proving beyond a reasonable doubt that he was guilty of murder. Um, and so then after that statement, the um, attorney general again announced that um, the state would repeal again, would appeal against the inadequacy of the sentence. Um, so they appealed and um, it went to the court of appeals in July of 2009. Um, the defense argued that Watson had had a momentary lapse in judgment, had been accused of a crime he did not commit and had voluntarily returned to Australia to cooperate with the court and that the penalty imposed over the uh, by the judge was fair and just. So basically, he came back, so he's a good person. He felt bad, so... Right. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I love they call it a momentary lapse in judgment. Somebody literally died. And it's like, even if a momentary lapse in judgment did end in death... He told 16 conflicting stories of how it yeah. happened. That's not a moment, son, unless your moment is the entire existence of this human being. Mm-hmm. Um, He's horrible. So Tina's body was buried in Alabama where her parents lived. Mm-hmm. And then her remains were exhumed in 2007 and moved to a different plot bought by her husband, fucking hate this. So then the family finds out that all the flowers and stuff they're buying for her grave are go missing or are destroyed or are found just scattered throughout the um, cemetery. So the police surveil the, uh, like the cemetery and they catch Watson on video removing them with bolt cutters because at this point they've been chained down because they thought it was just um, like, like yeah, yeah, like vandalism. Kids. Yeah. Um, so the video shows Watson removing them with bolt cutters and throwing them into the trash cans. So to me, above everything else, this was the shittiest thing that he did. Oh yeah, was moving like just let her be. Yeah, like you already killed her either by negligence or because you murdered her. Just let her be. Right. 
leave her alone. 100%. I ju- that just fucking pissed me off so bad. Like, oh, my God. Um, so then he said that he removed them because they were big, gaudy, plastic arrangements. And I wrote in parentheses, or guilt, question mark. Uh, or just being an asshole, question mark. So he did not mark her grave until 2009. When he just the fuck? yeah, because he didn't want her family to find it. I will throw this computer out the window. I swear to f- what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, that's so messed up. Um, oh my god! He finally in two thousand nine put a grave marker. So, um, her like a foot marker, and then her father requested that. She she be returned for reburial like he's requesting a second exhumation of the body at this point but i kind of understand. i get it so i do like he's are at this point he's admitted to at least negligently causing her her death if not murdering her so she he he has every right to want to bring her back oh, yeah. to their family i'm sorry well, he does so they got the court involved and finally in 2011 the court granted her dad um, administrator of this of her estate. So they took estate rights from the husband and gave them back to the dad. So he okay. demanded all of her like school and college pictures and yearbooks that they be returned. Um, Watson refused to turn them over. He appealed for it and he refused to give an inventory of all the stuff that he has that's hers. Um. So, the court finally orders him to stay away from the grave. Like, basically puts a restraining order against the cemetery. Like, against him on behalf of the cemetery. The husband? Yeah. Okay, good. So, the husband can't go back to her grave. Um, In May of 2010, um, it was announced that they had um, enough evidence to start a capital murder case or trial in Alabama. And so, um, they, cause their assertion is that the, uh, crime was planned in Alabama. Right. Alabama. Uh, it was premeditated in Alabama and then right. committed. Right. And so that's why they could get it there and it's not double jeopardy cause he wasn't charged or tried for premeditation. He was tried for well, manslaughter. Well, it's not double jeopardy anyway cause, it's cause two he jurisdictions. wasn't tried in America. Right. Yeah. Um, so sorry what is that like different area codes right <laughs> um so they petitioned australia for all the evidence that was held by the police and this is where australia pisses me off and i usually don't get worked Wait, up over you're australia on the list, buddy mm-hmm. oh they're about to move up on your list so oh, they God. said and i know first of all there are differing opinions on um the death penalty but regardless of where we sit on that, Australia said we won't release this until you take the death penalty off the table. And it is not their right to tell us how to handle our business. So this happens a lot in extradition cases. Um, and so I, I'm going to assume this is part of extradition because they're trying to extradite evidence. They're not right. trying to extradite the, the um, 
the accused are trying to extradite evidence. But this happens a lot with people thinking that America shouldn't have the death. And I, I, I get it, but I, because I'm not like a huge supporter of the death penalty in general, right. unless it's really, really warranted. But also, like, don't tell us what to do. But also, it's a, it's a, it's a gray line for me. I don't know. I, like I said, regardless of people's views, I don't feel it right for them to try to tie anybody's hands that way. But this happens a lot when they're trying no. to extradite people. They ha- they make them take the death. No, I know. This is not like a shocking thing. No, I happen, know. You know. I know. It's what I'm heated about right now, this moment, because I it's in reference to this case. As soon as we're over, my ADHD will kick in and I'll forget I was pissed off. This guy is also a fucking asshole and deserves every bit that he gets. Right. So. Um, so in 2010, it was announced that Watson would be released in November from Australia and that he was likely to be deported to the U.S. where he was now being faced with murder charges. Bye, bitch. Um, and um, the case was planned to go before a grand jury in October of 2010. Um, but So Watson was not actually released from prison until November 10th, 2010. And then he was held in an immigration center while his deportation was delayed. So Australia kind of tied us up in some bureaucratic red tape. Until mm-hmm. they got what they wanted to get death penalty off the table. Um, and so they, like, in fact, they didn't think the word was good enough. So they ra- waited for, like, written word, signed document, shipped across the world kind of situation. Um, wow. Yeah. So on tw- November 25th, 2010, he was deported back to the United States and immediately arrested. Um, Alabu- Alabama. Mm-hmm. That's the 51st state. Congratulations, America. We did it. (laughs) Alabama prosecutors. That's what they should rename Alabama anyway, because they're (laughs) fucking stupid right now. Alabama prosecutors charged him with murder at the conclusion of his prison sentence. Um, And they found uh, after finding what they claimed was evidence that he'd plotted to kill his wife while still in the United States. A grand jury indicted Watson on murder charges in October of 2010. In July 2011, the circuit court set the trial date for uh, February 13th, 2012, and he was released on bond. Mm -hmm. Um, So Colin McKenzie was a new diving expert who was brought in. Um, He's not the one that I mentioned earlier, but he actually made me stop and like think a little bit about this case more than what my preconception was. Uh, okay. He said that um, he had maintained while well, he was on the stand, actually. Um, so he's not the new one. He's the one that was in the Australian case. Sorry. That um, a diver with Watson's training should have been able to bring Tina back up. But he then, after the case, retracted his full testimony and said that he was not given enough information to give a true expert statement because he finally was given... Um, Tina and Gabe's divers logs, their certificates and their medical history, which he'd not been given access to. And he said that, um, Gabe should not have been allowed in the water and definitely never as a dive buddy for his wife who had no open water scuba experience. Tina had had heart surgery to correct an irregular heartbeat two years earlier, but on her dive application had stated that she'd never had heart problems or surgery. So she thought out said she didn't have heart problems, and that's a big issue. Okay. Um, so. For devil's advocate, as a person with a heart problem, I have done that before. Uh, I 
hate that. At the dentist. Gotcha. So they tell you like, have you ever, do you have a mitral valve prolapse? And I always say no. Cause it, it just caught, cause then they want to call like, right. It just, and I'm like, it's fine. Like it only was aggravated while I was pregnant. Like it's not a big deal, but then it just delays everything. Right. So I get it, but also it's bad. Don't do it. Um, do as I say, not as I do. So, uh, Mike Bennett, who is a leading expert in dive medicine, which I did not know was a thing. Um, what is dive medicine? I don't know. Is that like when you get to be on Food Network and it just says like cheese expert? God, I would love to be a cheese expert. I want to be a meme expert every time I see that. That's a thing. I know. Every time it pops up, I'm like, I'm in training right now. Um. Anyway, so he stated that Tina was unfit to dive without clearance from a cardiologist. And she should have sought that before diving, especially deep uh, open water diving. Mm-hmm. Gabe had received his rescue certification, which is normally a four-day course, after completing a two-day course in an Alabama quarry. So he had no actual rescue experience and little open water experience. According to McKenzie, quote, he had no hope of being competent. He could barely save himself that day, let alone his wife. I don't believe he intended to kill her. So... It made me stop to think, what if he didn't? Like, what if he was so arrogant that he really thought that he was God's gift to diving and that if anything happened, he could save her and then got there and went, oh, shit. Not that that's what I believe, but it did make me stop and wonder that. And I'd never pondered it that way before. Erin rolled her eyes into last Tuesday. Look, at the end of the day, being so arrogant that you think you're God's gift to diving is still at least negligent. Right. So that's what basically everyone agrees that they are not denying his culpability in this, but that it all comes to negligence and not commission. Um. So, uh, also the dive company that had offered them an orientation, um, eventually, um, had to pay, uh, they like fines, um, of $8,000 because they did not actually make them, um, prove their diver expertise. So in the grand scheme of all this, $8,000 is almost nothing. I mean, it's a hit to that company, but yeah, we are now, you know, 15 years in, it feels like, and, and they were stuck with this fine. And at this point, it feels like people are just trying to point fingers to get, to get anything done. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't it, me. It was you. Was it me? It was you. It wasn't me. Yeah, I get it. Um, so Alabama judge Tommy Nail ruled that evidence of Watson's behavior following Tina's death was all inadmissible. Uh, including, like, destroying things in the cemetery. Like, they weren't even allowed to listen to those to speak on his character. Really? Yeah. Um, He also blocked Tina's father from giving evidence regarding Watson's alleged attempts to increase her life insurance policy because it blurred the lines with her being his father, with him being her father. Um, Like, if... If my financial planner had gone to present because I had died tragically and Sarah had just gone in and demanded they raise my life insurance, he probably could have stood a 
chance in that court proceeding because he was not also my father. Okay. Um, so, so basically don't shit where you eat, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so on February 23rd, 2012, Gabe was um, acquitted because of lack of evidence without defense needing to present its case. Um, so, so is that a full on acquittal or is it like just dropping the charges, but they could file them again? Uh, like if a tape ever comes out, that's like, what's his butt? Like I killed her. Well, the prosecutor, whatever the prosecutor said, this is the first case that he'd had in 41 years that ended in a judge's acquittal. So I think it was an actual acquittal. That sucks. Yes. Um, so yeah, there, oh, there was also a case file. That's where I heard this the best was case file. Oh, okay. Because I, that makes sense. I love me some case file. Me too. Also, when the case really sucks, at least his voice is real nice to listen to. I know. It'll lull you into like a nice, like hypnotic trance you're just like oh what i'm listening to is so terrible but i'm not mad about it at all the only yeah so that's the The other one that's like that is family secrets oh yeah her voice is like that too and i'm like oh girl you could talk to me all day yeah um in fact his voice um case file his voice was what got me through mr cruel and um oh the one about the daughter who had been lying about going to school that whole time because her family was so hard on her and had them killed. Oh, the Japanese girl. Yeah, I could not have handled yeah. that case if it weren't for his lulling voice. That's a, the, with a poor dad. Oh, yeah. Fuck. So in that any case, is that is this awful story that has no justice for anybody. Um, I hate that it's inconclusive. I hate that we'll never know what happened. Um, I think that's why it fascinates me, like, yeah. Like, I kind of like crimes that are a one-off where the murderer didn't do it again or where we don't actually know who did it or if it was an actual murder. Like, I like the questions, but at the same time, it pisses me off when I'm researching because I can't just yeah. say the end. Right. I just keep digging, like, I'm going to be the person to crack this case open. Like, all of my training in teaching middle school English has prepared me for this moment to be your private investigator. You're welcome. It's like that that meme where DTF usually means like down to fuck, but it's like DTF down to find out who killed John Benet Ramsey. Yes, <laughs> yes. All right. Do you have a lifetime case? It of was the her week? brother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I do, and I tried to look up the thing, and it started to go into a news story. So hold on. Oh, is that what was blaring at me? No. Oh. Um. Before we would tell you our cases, I'm going to switch it up a little bit because I feel like people log out right before this and I have a really good case. So you'll want to stay and listen, but uh, don't forget to leave us a rating or a view and subscribe to us. It really does help people find us. Um, Mm -hmm. We've gotten lots of good feedback on last week's case. So I'm glad you guys really liked it because we had a lot of fun last week. Um, Holy crap. You guys, you're multiplying. Yeah. Love it. Um, Great. And also, don't forget to look us up on social media. You can um, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Lifetime Sentence. You mm-hmm. can find us on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. Mm-hmm. I really panicked there after I make fun of you every week. 
We're on Instagram at at Lifetime Sentence Podcast. Right? No, at Lifetime Sentence on Insta. Shit. <laughs> and I was thinking of our website that's Lifetime Sentence Podcast. LifetimeSentencePod.com. I don't know anything. And you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash lifetime sentence. Yeah, we're going to wrap up Big Little Lies here soon and then do something else. That's that super surprise. No, we've decided it's a surprise. Remember? Oh, right. That's the it's lie we're telling. I mean, the. <laughs> Speaking of Big Little Lies. No. Okay. So here's my story. This one is super interesting. It is a family who robbed armored cars together. The family that are robs armored cars together really makes it hard to say because I have an R impediment. Fuck you all. Continue. Yeah. So Archie, Marion, and their son, Vincent. Of course their names were Archie and Vincent. <laughs> um, it starts in where else? Fucking Wisconsin. <laughs> of course it did. Archie was employed by an armored car company. He was a driver he um, arranged for his wife to meet him along his route and gave her $157,000 and then told the, told the police that the money disappeared. Three years later, um, Vincent took a job working for um, a vault clerk for an armored truck company. One night, Archie disguised himself and using a BB gun as a prop staged a robbery um, and stole $730,000 in cash. Yikes. They then picked up stakes and moved to Oregon. Um, in December of 2005, Archie was driving an armored car loaded with $7 million. Um, they um, used disposable cell phones. Anyways, so his son helped him knock over the truck. They stole $3 million. The interesting part about this story is that they're stealing all this money, but they're not spending it. What? So they have it and they don't have any account. So they're trying not to be traced until the statute of limitations runs out on the robberies. Right. Which I get. It's it's smart adjacent. Um, but the problem is people get on to them. Right. So then the FBI like comes in, they figure out it's them. They arrest them. They find the money in, like, they were spending money they didn't have, but not a lot. So they find the money, like, inside household items that have been hollowed out and there was just cash. I have heard about this, but I did not realize it until this moment. It was bananas, and I would love to see a movie about that. Absolutely. What a a fun set piece, just to, like, a set to film it, I mean. Right? Can you just imagine, like, the FBI swarming in and they're like, hey, this shaving cream unscrewed. Oh, there's a million dollars in here. Huh? Like, crazy. Like, <laughs> Do you remember the old Nickelodeon game show Finders Keepers where it was, like, a house and it was several rooms that were all, like, cluttered and you had to find the secret items? That's what I oh, pictured yeah. just now. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> That's so funny. Anyways, they were arrested. They all went to jail. End of story. But it it's very interesting. And if they could make these people hotter because they're not hot at all, then it would be a great Lifetime movie. Um, no, that I would love well, that. They ended up with like $4 million. Shit. Just hidden in their house. Um, so I'm back on my inspirational Lifetime movie bullshit. 
So, um, last week, is this another teacher from your from your conference? It's the one that I texted y'all about. Like, oh yeah, oh oh, this is a good, the important one, um, not the hot one, (laughs) but um, the so although I wouldn't mind a lifetime movie about the hot one either, right? (laughs) Um, so oh, after I've got something to tell you, but I'll I'll remember it. Um, okay. Anyway, so at get your teacher on, which is the conference that I talked about last week. Um, one of our keynote speakers for the week was uh, Brittany Sinich, who is an incredible teacher. I mean, she led a workshop that I was just in love with, that I would have been in mm-hmm. love with regardless of her story. But her keynote speech was about um, her first year teaching. And mm-hmm. um, Valen- it was around Valentine's Day. And she and her class were making Valentine's. And it was a writing assignment. And she heard the loudest noise she's heard in her entire life. And she knew right then that her school was being shot because she was a teacher at the high school in Parkland, Florida. Um, And she sprang into action and she gathered her students and actually kept them safe. Um, She was the first person to call 911. And she said the only way she knew that was because she heard her voice played on every major news outlet after that. Like... I mean, and how horrifying was that? Would that be like just hearing your voice? Like you're you survived this situation, but then you just hear your voice over and, and over, over and right. over. Oh my god! Um, and so she is adorable. She's five foot one, and oh, teaching geez. high school, and it's just this little ball of energy. Um, but she a has such a an air of peace about her like she has done some very healthy grieving and she's got a phenomenal counselor you can tell and she talked about how she went into therapy and you well, you have to but thank who wouldn't I, I love how open she was like everybody needs therapy like it was a lifesaver um and now my dog everybody needs therapy so um Anyway, I just want an inspirational movie about her because she is incredible. And um, I did not know I could fangirl so hard over a human being. But she was also just incredibly nice. She and I, like, talked for a little bit. And um, she complimented my singing because, duh. But um, (laughs) she is just... You guys should have seen just the hair flip that Paul did just now. Right? Um, anyway, so that's my lifetime movie. I'll be back to having cases because I had to have a long list of cases that I've written in my notes as I think throughout the week. You know, it's one of those things like, yes, it would be like an inspirational thing, but, but it, I don't know if I could cover it. No, I absolutely could not. As a teacher, I could not. It's that would be really rough. So like that when I was when I was in high school, my first brush with school shootings was Columbine. Yeah. That happened when I was in high school and it was horrifying. Yeah. So I, and plus I have a child in high school now and I can't imagine someone shooting in his school. Cause I would go completely ballistic. Yep. And shit. Yeah. Yeah. It would be really bad. Um, so, all right. Well, thanks for potting with me today. Yeah. It yeah. has been a joy. Uh, yeah. I hope you all have a great week and uh, don't forget to eat your vegetables. And charge your phone. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.